0: Thanks be to God. Thanks for that warm intro, Mike. appreciate that. So, yeah, apparently apparently we don't know where this is going to go, and that makes myself included. And so, um, well, on that, good morning. Glad that we get to be together here on this wet and uh, rainy North County morning. Thankful for that. Um, If you are here for the first time, like so many of us have said up front, we're really glad you're here. Welcome. Glad you're uh, spending time with us this morning. I promise I'm not the guy that fills the spot most Sundays, so please come back. Uh, After that, uh, if you've come, you know, last week and the week before and months and years before, also welcome and just glad, uh, glad you're here once again. Uh, We're continuing in our series that we've been in for the last few weeks, which is all of Jesus for all the world. And the last two weeks, Pastor Brandon, who is not here, who's the guy that's normally here, um, I went through parts one and two. If you were not here and you did not catch those, I would encourage you to get online, go find those on the interwebs, and uh, listen to those to catch you up. You are stuck with week three with me today. And then we're going to finish up the series next week with week four, getting the big finale, actually hearing from Pastor Jeff, who's going to wrap up the series uh, for us next week. Um, if we have never had the chance to meet or chat out in the parking lot, uh, first of all, would always love to. Please come say hi. But uh, like I mentioned, my name is Chris Blake and uh, get to be an elder here at the church. Also, like Mike, get to serve in kids ministry uh, week in and week out when I'm not up here, which is really never, uh, work here in the wine industry uh, here in the North County. My wife, who's right over there, has a nurse at Twin Cities. And so she's here today. We got two kiddos. One who is currently back in the tech booth, uh, controlling my fate, which is a scary thing. Um, She has all the switches right in front of her, and she sees our 15-year-old, soon-to-be 16-year-old daughter, um, Addie, and then we have our son, Brody, who's 13, who I was pretty excited. I'm like, oh, that's cool. He's sitting next to my wife, and then like, hey, middle school started, and he left, so you can show how much he really cares about what I have to say um, today. It's like, your father is speaking, and he's like, yeah, CJ's in middle school. So that shows you where I fall in the pecking order, but... Um, So we live uh, in Paso, and we've gotten the privilege to call Life Community Church our home for just about 15 years now, and it's been a gift to our family. Um, Also a gift to be here together and open God's word. Um, Earlier in my life, I got to spend uh, 12 years doing youth ministry with high school and middle school kids, and so I learned two things during that time. One, you have to be somewhat entertaining to talk to high school and middle school kids. I never got that part down. But two, you have to be pretty short and concise, now talking to adults, I've learned the same two things apply. <laughs> you guys are just better at showing that you're not paying attention and you're not listening. Uh, but they were just much more clear about it. So uh, I will do my best to be uh, both those things uh, to move us through. But I do tend to be a little bit shorter than, uh, than good old Pastor Brandon on some fronts. But if you have a Bible nearby, grab that. If you have an app, whatever it is, we're going to be in the book of Mark. So I'd encourage you to have that as we do. But as we open up God's word, would you just join me in a word of prayer this morning as we get started? And so, God, really glad to be here today. Glad to be gathered together. Glad to get to have the chance to sing. There's something that happens when we sing as a church to our hearts. It softens us kind of makes things right in the world, kind of everything else falls away. And then we're gonna open up your word and, and it really has very little to whatever it is that you give me to say for the next little bit. And it really has everything to do from with what we walked in from this week. And each one of us arrived here this morning from a different week, from a different night last night. Some of us walk in celebrating from a week of great joy where we saw you show up. Some of us walked in this morning after a week of hurt or a week of frustration or things just not going the way that that we wanted them and we were praying you showed up and we're still being patient on that. But I just hope whatever it is as we open up your word that you just speak and often as we, we come in and we open up and we read it seems like the scripture that was chosen that day was just for us and hits us right where we need to be. So we pray that today that again has very little to what's spoken, but everything about what you speak to our hearts um, as we go through this text and the scripture here this morning. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So it's always a little bit interesting when um, I get the call from Brandon, and he's like, hey, you know, in a, couple, in a month or so, I'm going to be gone, you know, w- would you want to fill in? And I'm like, okay, you know, who else did you call? <laughs> Wyatt, just am like the, the last one, probably? Um, CJ is busy. Um, so, uh, but it's always great, because sometimes it's, it's really great, because, uh, you know, like, you know, we were in the book of Romans, and we're going to jump back into there pretty soon. And so you can kind of say, hey, by that time, we're going to be at this verse, and you have to talk about that. And then sometimes it's a little more open, a little more topical. And you get to, like, like it is now. Like, hey, all of Jesus for all the word. You get to kind of fill it in. I was like, great, I'm wide open. Um, I'm completely unsupervised with Brandon not being here. I can say whatever I want. I said, <laughs> no, there's actually some themes inside of that we're going to talk about. And we're going to talk about people and relationships and community and, you know, that type of thing. And I was like, well, gosh, that's like, that's like a lot, like relationships. Like, I got cover, like... Relationships with one another, like husband and wife and kids and parents and friends. He's like, no, 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 that's that's too much. Like, let's keep it in one lane. And just like he talked about, if I was smart at this point, like Brandon gave my message on the thing, I'd just sit down and we'd play that again. Um, But it was basically, you know, what is it that being in a relationship with one another, much like this, in the context of the church, in the context of gathering together, what does it look like to be in a relationship, be be it with one other person who we meet with regularly? And we're going through helping each other grow in Jesus, or a small group of, you know, four people, eight people, ten people, whatever it is. But that's the kind of community, relationship, people we're going to look at this morning um, and stay in that channel and not kind of get out to all the different types of relationships that we have in our life. And so, over the next little bit, I'm going to be using the word uh, community a lot, people, relationships, and I'm not smart enough to figure out where each of those fits perfectly and what I'm talking about, so... If you're hearing this and you're like, yeah, that, that wasn't right, that should have been relationships." to people, just switch words. Just switch words. Just put whatever word best fits for you, makes the most sense for you, feels the best to you. I am 100% okay with that as we go uh, through this for the next uh, little bit. And so when Brent and I got done talking, figured out that we're going to talk about this type of community, these types of relationships, I started to think and I started to pray about what it is that I was going to talk about. And, and really that it started with just kind of thinking, okay, what was my experience in the past? with uh, community and kind of being in type of you know discipleship this small group you know uh, kind of Bible study type uh, context and one of the first things that popped in my head was a small group that we were part of that a couple families that are here we're a part of for a long time for seven some years and it was this uh, really cool thing I'm gonna talk a little bit more about it later in the message but it definitely being a part of this group for the time that we were really shaped and changed our family. And then I got the privilege, like I mentioned earlier, to do youth ministry for as long as I did. And I got to be, uh, do that with Young Life. So if you've ever been around Young Life, it's a beautiful mission of going to find high school and middle school kids that wouldn't go walk in anybody's church. And I got to, to do that for 12 years, and it's fantastic. So being a part of teams that were saying, hey, we're going we're to look at this school, and we're going to go try to find the kids in this particular school that maybe are on the far edges, or on the far reaches, and a chance that they could be introduced to the person of Jesus. And then I was in the staff group that, um, you know, being a life staff and being here in Still County and the other people working in Young Life really helped shape and change me as a person, being a part of that. And then I thought about this church. This church has been a huge part um, of our journey and being here as long as we have, starting when really, I mean, our Addie is now almost 16, was just uh, not even in the world yet. And so, uh, but it's just been a huge part of what's coming, the people of this church. For the good, Ooh, see this happens every time I get teary. First service, I got teary too. I was looking at some of the faces out here, and it got me, got me a little pause. But um, the people that have journeyed with, our family through, through the big, the easy, and and, and the hard, um, has been an absolute gift, and it has changed um, and shaped our family. So I got that. So I started thinking about those things, and I was like, okay, there's something to this. Obviously, this theme of gathering and people and being together and relationships and change that occurs as a result. So I kind of stopped there and held that, so you got to hit pause there. And then I started to read, and I was like, okay, well, we're talking about all of Jesus for all the world, so let's look at the life of Jesus. And so I started to go through that and figured, okay, so I'm I'm working with that theme. Let me see what I discover in the Gospels. And I particularly landed, for some reason, uh, in the book of Mark. And so I was going through the book of Mark and kind of working my way through the book. And I started at the beginning and really, really here in a minute, you're going to be like, wow, I think we can do better with elders. (laughs) I'm going to give you what I noticed out of the book of Mark. And you're going to be like, yeah, duh. But that's okay. It's known to all of us. It's going to be okay. Just go with me on this. I promise it's going to settle in. But I started to go through the book of Mark and. And I just realized I was in chapter one, I just kinda of jumped and I'm like, Oh my gosh, look at that. And I kept going, and look at that, look at that, look at that. And here is the line that you're gonna be so impressed by my Bible perceptiveness. Jesus was always with people. I know. Just change your world. But here it is, all right? So Mark chapter 1, you're, getting, you're like, I don't think that's true. It is, because in Mark chapter 1, you go to verse uh, 18. It says, as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew, and they were fishing. He said, come and follow me. So now they're together. And then later it says that they were walking, and they see James and John, sons of Zebedee, and Jesus says, come, follow me. So now they're together. You keep going to verse 21, and it says, then they went to Capernaum. You see Capernaum, you see this word over and over, they, so this group, so they had to Capernaum. Then you go to verse 29, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John and then went to the home of Simon Peter. Then you go to chapter 2, and you go to verse uh, thir- uh, 14, it says, as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus sitting there, and he called them, and he said, follow me. So again, now Matthew is with Jesus. He's with people. Verse 23, on the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. They were walking. His disciples, again, they, a group, they were together. Then you go to chapter 3, verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside, and when he was there, he called to him those who wanted to be with him. Again, people with Jesus. Then you go to verse 20. Jesus entered a house, and there was such a crowd that gathered at the house that they... The disciples and Jesus were not able to eat dinner. So again, he's with together, he's people. And then you go to chapter four, verse 10. He was alone, but when he was alone, he was with the 12. That's not really alone, but he was with the 12 and, and, and they were together. So again, they, you go to verse 35, that day when, the day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go. So again, they headed across the lake. Then you go to chapter five and you go to verse one there and it says, they went across the lake to the land of the garrison. So again, they, and I got tired at that point. I was underlining and I got a cramp. And so I I stopped. And and you were tired of hearing that anyway. So, um, so got to chapter five, but you see over and over and over in the gospels, as you look at the life of Jesus, he is with people. And so something is so noticeable, something is so prevalent in the life of Jesus. I think it just, uh, has to give us pause i think we have to take notice there was something completely intentional about the way that jesus lived his life and the fact that over and over and over he was just with people um i don't think it was a mistake and the account we're going to look at today is no different in chapter nine and i think it's actually uh you know just almost in a the most beautiful example of this, but so you kind of have the experience that I had in community, you know, we're talking about kind of being in home groups and and being a part of your life and being a part of these groups of people that help follow Jesus partnered with the scripture that landed on here in Mark chapter nine. And kind of one thought just came together for me. And so if we leave today and you don't remember anything else, which is highly likely, um, if you remember this one thing, just remember this. And this is where I want us to kind of spend our time and kind of hang our hat today while we're together. There just seems to be a relational invitation when we follow Jesus. And when we take advantage of that invitation, things change. There seems to be a relational invitation when we follow Jesus. And when we take that invitation, things seem to change. And this is a thought that I'm hoping that we can kind of spend some time on as we dive more into Mark chapter 9 uh, while we're together. And Mark chapter 9, is kind of, it's kind of a funny thing. If you look through the life of Jesus and you spend some time reading through the life of Jesus, it's a, it kind of stands alone. It's a little unique. You look at, you know, often we talk about Jesus in church and, and it's a parable. You know, a parable of the sower, parable of this, or it's Jesus' healing. Right And everything so far, a lot of what Jesus had done has been, um, you know, keep it under wraps. Don't tell anybody. Jesus has been very kind of subdued in who he is. And then all of a sudden he decides one day to go up in a mountain and turn into a ball of light. Like, blah, okay, like that seems a little a lot of line, which has happened so far. But that's what happens today. And so the transfiguration, it's just kind of overall, I, it's, you know, it's something that I, I don't know that we're ever going to be kind of figure out why it's in the Gospels. I mean, it happened, and that's why it's there. But I think it's just something to be marveled at more than understood. But I do think it's also a beautiful picture of kind of this invitation we're talking about, being in community as followers of Jesus and the change that can occur. So we're going to pick it up in verse 2. So grab, grab where you're at, verse 2. And, uh, and we're going to take a look at this. And what I'd encourage you to do is, I'm not that smart. So when I read through the Bible... I think oftentimes um, we read and then we just like read it. So I've had to slow myself down to see it in essence. So I think sometimes we read through things and we say, oh, Jesus did this, Jesus did that. But what I'd encourage you to do today, you don't have to, but something in the first service said, you encouraged me to close my eyes and I never reopen them. But I'm gonna encourage you to close your eyes. Close. And so if you want to, close your eyes and just try to see it. Right, we're going to talk about a day where Jesus takes three of his friends and they take a walk and they go up a, they go up a mountain. We're going to talk about the mountain. What does it look like? Who's there? Were there trees? Was it dirt? Was there sky? Was it overcast? What were they wearing? How did everything look? And they're going to go to the top of this mountain. We're going to talk about a transfiguration. But I just encourage you to pause and try to bring it to life for your head and your heart. Now you got to open your eyes. Okay. And so that's what it starts. And basically, Jesus says this. He goes to Peter, James, and John, and he says, Peter, James, and John, we're going to go take a walk. And it's often looked at in the, in the, in, in the Gospels and in, in the life of Jesus that Peter, James, and John kind of get invited. And they're kind of Jesus' inner circle. And, you know, absolutely, you read through the Gospels, there's some really good, uh, you know, kind of case for that. But then I also wonder, too, like on my more cynical side, is like Jesus is looking at the 12 before he's about to head out. And he's like, you know, oh, for crying out loud. Peter, James, and John, you got to come with me. I can leave the rest of you guys by yourselves. But you three yahoos, you have no chance of not getting into trouble. you got to go. And you're like, really? So that's my more cynical side. Then we can go with the more biblical side. There were Jesus' inner, inner three. Whatever. Go with whatever one you want. But he says, let's go take a hike. And church history kind of says this, that the transfiguration kind of best understood happened on the, the top of Mount Tabor. So Mount Tabor, I know you probably got your Mount Tabor geography down, but I didn't, so I looked it up. And so Mount Tabor is really unique. It's not a big mountain. It's not uh, crazy huge, but it is really unique in its landscape on where it's at. So it's kind of in a flatter part and really nothing around it um, there. And then all of a sudden, just out of nothing, it just kind of shoots up. It's like this kind of just shoots out of nowhere. So it's only 1,800 feet high. It's not, you know, it's not crazy high. And if you want to go hike it today, you can. It's about a 3.1-mile hike um, that goes from the top to the bottom. And on the top today sits the Church of Transfiguration, ironically enough. Um, that was built in 1919 but um, you can go you can walk it you can see the church but that's today Uh, but what i encourage you is to now rewind your brain a couple thousand years to think about what it might have looked like on this day when jesus says to these three let's go take a walk and so you know peter james and john it says he led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. And that is not the intro to a scary movie. That is actually the intro to this uh, account in Jesus' life. But they go on a walk. And I got to imagine this is still relatively early in Jesus' ministry. And so they're not really still 100% sure what's going on. You know, we get to look back with thousands of years of church wisdom and history. and, And so, well, that's great. Yeah, of course, Jesus says go on a walk. We'd go with him. But at this point, there'd been some real weird stuff that happened when they were following Jesus. It wasn't always comfortable It was sometimes pretty unnerving. And now he just says to these three guys, just follow me and we're gonna go take a walk up a mountainside. I gotta imagine there was a little bit of nerves as they were walking along and going and just talking with Jesus as they go, but they go. And that's what happens. And it says, we pick it up at the end of verse two and the beginning of verse three, that there he was transfigured before him. So Jesus gets to the top of this mountain, they were alone, and all of a sudden this light that's within him comes out. And I was reading in preparation for today and uh, they said, you know, People think, oh, the transfiguration, that's an amazing miracle that Jesus transfigured. And they said, no, the miracle is actually the opposite. The miracle is that Jesus became man because his more normal state is actually the transfigured state. Chewing out for a while. I just haven't figured it out, but I loved it. So it says transfigures right before him. And then all of a sudden when he's there, his clothes become dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking to Jesus. So that is just a normal day and the life of the disciples. So Jesus is there. He transfig. like, just read that again to yourself and bring it to life in your head. They're there, Peter, James, and John, who we think are pretty amazing because we're, we're further down in the church history. They're they who we use as examples on how to follow Jesus. But for them, Elijah and Moses, that's, what, that's where they're. I mean, Elijah, you know, was a prophet, right? He was this big guy. He'd been gone for 900 years at this point. And then Moses, Moses was Moses. Everybody knew was. He'd been gone for 1,400 years. And then right in front of them, there they are on the top of this hillside. Somebody in the first service came up after and they're like, How do you think they knew they were Moses and Elijah? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe Jesus introduced them. I don't know. Um, but I love the thought. Uh, but right there, you have, you have Moses, who is the law, you have Elijah, who exemplified the prophets. So up until that point, that was God's revelation to man between the law and the prophets. And then right there, you have Jesus who was going to wrap it all up into one big thing while his time on earth. And he was going to fulfill the law and fulfill everything the the prophets had talked about. So it's this beautiful picture of what was behind us and yet what was to come. And so the whole thing is going on. Jesus there and Luke, he gives us a little snapshot of what they were talking about because that was my first question. So what do Jesus, Elijah, uh, and Moses talk about? And Luke says that they were talking about what was to come and what was going to happen in Jerusalem and what was going to happen with Jesus. And I don't know why, again, why this had to happen. I don't know why Jesus went onto this mountaintop. I don't know all that transpired. But it says it was absolutely terrifying. And I have to imagine it was. If you're Peter, James, and John, and you're there, and all this is happening, and God bless Peter, like so many other times in the Gospels, he, he talks first, good or bad. He gets like all this bad rap through the gospels for being the guy who talks first. But at least he talks, so I give him credit. And he's like, "Hey, this is great! Like, you got Elijah and Moses and Jesus. Should I build tents? Like, that's all he had because he was just terrified. But he did good. He, he gave his best shot. Like, that's that's what he said. The other, you know, the other two guys, James and there, useless." Um, but that's what he says and then right then as they are going through it like I, I couldn't help but pause because I was like right now you have Elijah, Moses and Jesus and then you have Peter, James and John. Like this is the this is the small group. This is the small of all small groups. Like this is like this is like the all-star small group you've ever been a part of. You have Jesus, Win Elijah, win. Moses, pretty decent. And then you have Peter, James, and John all right there. And then to round out the all-star team, God the Father decides to show up in Shekinah glory. Like this is a small group of all small groups, people. This is it. We are seeing the pinnacle of the small group experience happen. And when God shows up in Shekinah glory, a cloud, it says, appears, and it covered them. And a voice came from the cloud who said, this is my son, whom I love. You should listen to him and it's almost this beautiful anointing from God. At that point you have Elijah and you have Moses who are important figures in the church. And they did their job and they served well, but it was this calling out that Jesus was different. And that he was going to do something that those other two were not able to do. And then it says as soon as, as as kind of as fast as it was all happening and kind of coming together that suddenly they looked around and were you know in verse 9 or verse 8 and then looked around and then they no longer saw anyone except Jesus. So all this happens, transfiguration of Jesus, Elijah, Moses, God, the Father. And then it's, and then it's back to the four of them again. And then, as they, and then as they come down the mountain, they're having this conversation with Jesus. And, and again, he, you know, he says, he gives them orders not to tell anybody what they'd seen until the Son of Man rises from the dead. So there's two questions there. You know, one, I love it. It's like they just saw Jesus get transfigured. Elijah and Moses, and they're coming back to the rest of the disciples. And Jesus drops them off as they get down the hill and the other guys are there and they're like, hey, so what happened on the mountaintop? And they're like, nothing. <laughs> just fish, just a little fire. Nothing, just, just nothing. And I, they're holding in, you know, I was thinking like, forgive us, we're like Green Bay Packer fans in our house and so we're still recovering from last night, but it's okay. But I was thinking of my son, he's 13, And he loves Green Bay, and if you don't know your Green Bay quarterbacks, it's okay. But it's like it's like him running into like Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and Jordan Love like all at one time, and then people like yeah, don't talk about it though. But that was cool, you know. And it's like my son would be bursting at the seams to talk about the fact that he got to see all these people at one time, and that's I gotta imagine what it was like for these guys. And they say yeah, but don't talk about. it, And by the way, it's going to be after I rise from the dead, which caused them all these other questions. And it says that they just discussed as they came down the hill, and I love this passage of scripture, and I loved going through this in preparation today because I think it just gave me, it reminded me of the simple reason why we're in relationship with other believers, and I think the simple reminder was this, is because when we are, we see Jesus differently. I think we see Jesus more fully. I think we see Jesus more completely, and I think we see him for who he truly is when we're in relationship with other believers there seems to be a relational invitation when we follow Jesus. And it's, I got to imagine that at some point, if you just kind of pause here, and maybe it's now, maybe it was a time long ago, you know, maybe it's just a short time ago, but that, you know, that we look back on a time, and you know, I can go all the way back to the beginning of my family. I grew up in kind of a family around the church, but not in the church, if that's a fair statement. Um, and got, and that, that's changed, and I'm so thankful for that now in my life. Um, but kind of the, the first person that maybe talked to me that wasn't my family, but Jesus was a guy named Matt Walton. And so Matt was, was this relationship that spurred me closer to Jesus. And then um, talking about different times and being in life and home. Is there a time in your life, in our lives, as we pause to think, that we are a part of a group of people? That changed the way that we follow Jesus? That encouraged us to follow Jesus more fully, more differently. Maybe we do, maybe it was one person, maybe it was just another another individual or a couple or something that maybe it was a group. But those are those are pretty beautiful times. And like I said, the one that kind of stood out to me as I was, you know, kind of getting ready to share today was this, this home group and or life group. I get we call them here at life community, life groups. That we had with uh, some families and up here in the North County. So at the time, rewind, we had little kids. And we all knew each other, but we didn't know each other. So it was kind of this group, and word kind of got out through a couple couples that, you know, hey, we think we should get together and kind of have a life group. We're all in, in, in the North County. We're all believers. Okay? We all went to different churches but it was like, I think it'd be good to get together. So we, we, we did, and we kind of figured this thing out of like, okay, hey, nice to meet you, and this and that, and we got all together, and like I said, a couple of families here were a part of that, and it, and it, it, and it was fantastic. It was a privilege to be a part of those groups of families, meeting together, getting to know them, getting other their kids, and kind of growing up with our kids during that time. Um, it really was, and we got to do... Kind of everything under the sun during that era. Um, It was wonderful. From kind of on the study side of things, you know, we were trying to be good small groupers and and keeping together. So, you know, we'd pick a book of the Bible and go through it chapter by chapter, you know, week over week. Or we'd have a book, you know, hopefully it was a short book with short chapters. But we'd pick a book and go through that and get together and talk about it and do that week over week. Or uh, we went through video series. We we kind of did anything we could think of to kind of continue to help each other grow and, and get together and have something to discuss. And we did it. We prayed together. Um, on the kind of the relational side of things, uh, we ate together. We celebrated together. We played kickball together. We served the best we could The people around somebody would need meals, and we'd kind of figure that out, or we do what we could to, to serve. We served to Echo. Um, we did a garage sale one time. I'm pretty sure it's pretty bad, but we tried to raise some money over the holidays for people who needed some help, and so we threw this garage sale. we were just trying to think of ways that this group that we are part of could could bless and and maybe love the people around us. We did some uncomfortable things together. Um, I'd say most of us kind of grew up in a similar-ish church background, and and there was somebody in the group that said, hey, I have a friend who's spending some time really looking at healing in the church, and how does healing in the church kind of cross with this? faith?" so we spent some time, multiple weeks, kind of having them come and share with us with healing in the church, and for some of us, that was pretty uncomfortable. That wasn't a part of our church upbringing, but we did, and it was great, and uh, we did some uncomfortable things like that while we were together. Uh, as a group, which was fantastic. We, um, we laughed a lot. Um, we cried. There was some hard stuff that happened in each of the families uh, during that time when we were together. Um, I'm sure, and I can tell you, we uh, got hurt by one another because we're people, right? And when people are together, that's what happens. You don't intend to, but uh, we got hurt, and I'm sure we hurt each other. And so we extended forgiveness, And we received forgiveness. And there was a lot of joy. But it wasn't always easy. It wasn't always um, the smoothest. Uh, But I can tell you this. There was something that always good that happened when we got together. There was something even particularly good that happened when we would get together as a group and figure out ways that we could use this group bless the people around us and to get get a little bigger and to impact the people that were surrounding us in that group at that time. And I'll tell you this, I was trying to look at then a, like a three-part something or other I could break down for this. This is, where I, this is where I fall short. But I wish I had better words to kind of to frame or to put together this, but it's really this. Just something unexpected and something unexplainable happens when we gather together with people. Jesus did it over and over in the in his life, there's just something about Jesus and people. And that's not very articulate, but it's the best I got. And we are designed to be in relationship with one another. We just are. I don't know why. There's a whole other sermon for another day, I'm sure, by somebody smarter than me that can figure it out. But all I know is today is that, from what I've seen in following Jesus, what I've seen in the church, is that we are designed to be in relationship when we're following Jesus. We can't do it alone it's too hard. It's too much. We need the fellow people in the church. And I, and I you know this is great. It's wonderful to be here, but it's really hard to truly connect and be known and to know other people in a large setting. So it's really important to be in these smaller groups. And we just like I said, we saw it over and over in the gospels. They 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 go. They this they gathered. They this Jesus was constantly gathering a group of people together so that they could follow him. So I think then the the question that we can't help but asking at this point is, if that's the case, and we seem to be designed to be in a relationship with another, and there's something seems to happen when we get together as a group, whatever that means when we just and if something unfolds. That just pause right now and take a look. And are we a part of a group of people right now that are helping us follow Jesus? And I think that changes from season to season, that time of that home group for us, that, that time kind of set, things look different for us right now. We need, uh, we have some great people in our life that are surrounding my wife and our family right now that we're so thankful for. But we're not have that traditional home group right now. We need to figure that out. We do, we need to figure out that, that next tier up, that larger group for us. But is there a way right now as you pause and, and look at your life, is, are you a part of a group? Is that one other person you're meeting with? Is that a a small group of people that you're meeting with? And if so, that's great. Keep it up. Keep investing. Keep putting your roots deep. Keep planning because that's where good stuff happens over time. And it takes longevity and it takes investment. It takes a commitment from everybody in that group or in that relationship to see good things happen. And you're signing up for all the things that I talked about that happened when we were in together. You're signing up for the good. You're signing up for the hard. You're signing up to get hurt. You're signing up to forgive and to receive forgiveness because that's what the church is. So you can't expect perfection. You can just expect a bunch of people that you're following Jesus alongside and everybody's trying to do the best they can. So if you are, that's wonderful. And if you're not, I would just encourage you to pause and try and think about what it might look like. Just like Pastor Brandon said on the videos, like what would it look like? What's the next step that might look like for you to take the next step and to be in, in community? This is wonderful, but in that next small town where you can really be known. And if you, if you have some questions about that, I'd be happy to, to, to answer the best I know. Talk to Pastor Jeff after. Be happy to talk about how to connect up uh, with a group of people. And I'll tell you, it might not have Moses and Elijah in it. It's okay, I'm just getting that out right now. But I'll tell you, I've been around this church long enough and, and there's some faces in here and there's some faces in the first service. So I gotta keep my eyes down, otherwise I get teary. So just ignore me. Um, I'll tell you what, I would encourage you to look around this room and I really would encourage you to look around the room because you might not have Elijah or Moses in your small group, but I can tell you what, there's some pretty beautiful saints that are sitting in these chairs right now in this church and it would be a gift for you to be in relationship with them, for them to receive from you and it would be a gift for you to receive from them. This is a pretty impressive place where God's gathered some people. So I'd encourage you to think about what it might look like to get more involved. And because when we do, it's like you said, it's not just for us. It's how do we also then get the opportunity to encourage and to build and help somebody else see Jesus more fully and more completely. We're going to pass out the elements here uh, over the next little second here. We're just going to, we're going to end here. And here it is. And this was kind of, the, the as I was looking at Mark 9, this was kind of the, the, the prevailing thought that I kind of walked away with. Um, you know, obviously we talked about earlier that there seems to be this relational invitation when we follow Jesus and when we do things change. And that word change was the thing that really stuck with me. Because they gathered on top of the mountain, they gathered, they, they took the relational invitation from Jesus. And then after they gathered, I just can't believe that Peter, James, and John ever looked at Jesus the same way after that time, right? They were just starting to maybe figure out who Jesus was. They were maybe just, but to watch him be transfigured, they now knew more fully, more completely. They, I, I just can't, they, they had to be different, as a result of that time, they had to walk down the mountain different than they walked up. Their hearts had to be more full and they were more clear about who Jesus is to them than ever before. And I think that's the same for you and I today, I hope. I hope that's why we're here this morning. I hope that's why we gather with other believers. that we're here to be changed, that we walk out of here each Sunday different than when we walked in, like they walked down a mountain, that our hearts are more full and that we get to be more clear about who Jesus is when then when we're alone, but when we're together, it becomes more full and more clear. So a couple things, we're gonna take communion together in a minute. And communion is a time for you. You can, you can pause and you can, you can have your moment and do your business in the, if you have with the Lord this week. I think it's one of the best gifts that we get as, as people as part of Life Community Church each Sunday just to pause. Our weeks are so full. They're so busy. We run and not only do we get to come to church and we sing, but we just get this moment to sit and have communion every single week. And I, I think it's one of the most beautiful things that we do. But if some things that you want, while you're sitting and pausing over the next little bit, you know, should Lord, should I be looking for a place to plug in? Should I be looking for a group, somewhere to to join in and jump in so I can, uh, you know, accept this relational invitation that seems to be throughout the Gospels and following you? Uh, Am I helping at this point? Do I have an opportunity to help someone follow Jesus more fully? If not, do I need to look at that? Do I need to figure that out? Who who might that be? Are there some names that pop in your head when, when that phrase comes out about who in your life that surrounds you right now? Maybe you need to take a word and just and a beautiful word and encourage them in, in their walk with Jesus. And if in a group, you know how do you how do you use and share that group that you're gathered with right now, be it small or big, on how to bring Jesus, all of Jesus, to all the world. Take a second, and then we'll come back up and we'll take communion together.